0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Okay, so this is actually a message that I was supposed to have preached a while ago, but you know God in his perfect timing. So today it came together on Mother's Day, and I think there's truly no better day for us to learn about honor than on Mother's Day, when we're setting an entire day aside to honoring our mothers and thanking them for all that they've done. So before I get into the message, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page about honor. So I'm going to just define it just so that going forward, we're using the same language. So Webster's defines honor um, as when you regard or treat someone with high respect or you hold someone in great esteem. So some synonyms to that would be to acknowledge, to celebrate, to thank and to praise. So some antonyms are the opposite of honor. So dishonor would be to discredit, to bad mouth, to condemn and to put down. So um, the story that we're going to start this topic with is um, in Mark 6. So what we just saw was Jesus coming back from healing the woman with the issue of blood and raising the 12-year-old girl from the dead. Now he comes back into his hometown, and Mark 6 opens with him preaching in the synagogue. But it says that the people he was preaching to were unable to receive what he had for them because they could only see him from the humanity that they recognized from him growing up. It says that they were saying to each other, wasn't that the carpenter from down the street? And wasn't that the guy that used to play with our kids? And it said in their hearts they were growing to be offended with him. Jesus' response to this is only in his hometown, only in his house, is a prophet without honor. And it says in verse 5 that because of this, he was not able to do any miracles there. So my question for you is what's different? It's the same Jesus, it's maybe a day apart, correct? Same Jesus, same power. What changed? What changed was that when he came back into his hometown, people were measuring him against their understanding. And it limited him to an extent that he was not able to do any miracles there because they had dishonored him by discrediting who he was. Now, church, I want to just be honest and open in this conversation and the fact that we frequently do this to the Lord all the time. Um, We have a society that's very based in education. And while that's amazing, that does not work with the Lord. See, what happens in education is we try to define everything and we try to find patterns and predict so that we can wrap our heads around it. We can know what's happening next but friends god has not designed us to be able to understand who he is that's why we have to have faith so what happens when we take a big god and we put him into a small box of what we're able to understand of our god not only are we limiting his ability to do miracles in our life but we're also dishonoring him and i don't know about you but i certainly don't want to be dishonoring the lord so when we're thinking about um how this looks in society i think about how um, in the churches in America, we frequently hear, oh, I'm so, you know, we're, we're ready for revival, we're praying for revival, we want souls and we want signs and wonders and, and miraculous things and while that's a wonderful thing for us to pray when you see it in other countries you see that they're having those things happen you look at what Reinhard Bunke was able to do before he passed away he would have over a million people at one crusade and they're being filled with the spirit they're being saved they're being freed their bodies are being healed and you're seeing the honor that pour out into their communities it's changing nations So my question is to you, if it's the same God, what's different? I believe what's different is that in America, we dishonor God by limiting what he's able to do. I think in other countries like Africa, you have people that are willing to match their circumstance to their God instead of matching their God to their circumstance. Whereas in America, we frequently try to match God to our circumstance. God is always going to be exceedingly abundantly more than what we can imagine. And so we have to be able to be... um, surrendered to who he is and recognize that we may not understand it, but he's always able to work. So that's where I just wanted to start us today is understanding that above all else, God is always going to be working on your behalf. And that if we truly want to honor him, we have to let him work in his greatness and only honor positions us to receive that from him. So John 13, 20 says that whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So here in this verse, we see there's a direct relation with how we receive other people and how we receive God. So how you love other people is how you love God. Here we go. Lower the boom. How you honor other people is how you honor God. It's directly related. So let's just begin by laying one thing really straight, real flat, real simple, every person has value. There is no person exempt from this. Because Christ died for them, because God created them, they have value in them. And there is something in them worth honoring. So if what we do to other people is what we do to God, then it's the same, you know, inversely. So think about it this way. If it was dishonoring to God, Oh, let me read the verse. I didn't even read the verse. In 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, I will honor those who honor me, but I will despise those who think lightly of me. So not only is it dishonoring when we discredit God by saying, you're probably not able to do more than what I can understand, but we're also dishonoring him when we think lightly of him. We need to be in wonder of what he's able to do because that's his nature. So the same could be said with how we deal with people. If we're dealing with people too lightly, we're thinking too lightly of them, we're thinking of them as too small, then we're also thinking of God too small. And if we're disrespecting God that way, then we're also disrespecting people that way. So let's just lay a ground rule. Here's the rule, there are no common people. When it comes to the kingdom of God, it does not have a ranking. There's no socioeconomic class. There's no separation of race, gender, none of it. We're souls. We are people that God loved and designed. And so there are no common people. So I wonder what it would look like if as Christians, when we were out in society, if we honored people as if they weren't common, as if they were equally as valuable to us, what would that look like? What if we held the doors for people with a smile on our face? What if when somebody... um, checked you out at the store, you know, your cashier, you smiled at them and took a second and said, Hey, what's your name? What are your plans this weekend? And let them know that they have value. What happens if we, we treated all areas of work as equal of like deserving of honor. I think for the first time, people would actually feel the love that we talk about so prominently in the church. I want you to think about how life is looking right now with teachers. So we're in this quarantine, and for the first time in my life, I'm seeing teachers being honored in a massive way, and it's beautiful. Not only are the parents reaching out and thanking the teachers, but the children are appreciative of the teachers. And this got me thinking, what would happen if this is the culture that we set all the time? What if when your children came home from school any day of the year, outside of quarantine, what if they came home to you complaining about what their teachers had done? And instead of you saying, oh, she's such a crab, I might as well just homeschool you myself. I'll write a letter and take care of it. What if instead you looked your child in the face and you said, babe, you have no idea how hard that woman works. I'm so sorry that today she was in a bad mood and that affected you but you have no idea all the things that she does for you and your classmates, and she's not even your mom. What would happen in our school systems if our children were met with more honor when they come home, and they would go back with an even larger portion of honor? So that's something that I think needs to be carried into all areas of life. So something that the Lord, um, I was kind of journaling and the Lord brought this to me, so I'm going to just read it word for word because it's kind of long. But he he said this to me, he said, Your inability to see or treat someone as valuable or worthy of honor doesn't affect their value or worthiness because Christ already decided that they were worth the ultimate cost. The only effect it has is on your ability to receive the rewards and miracles that God has for you. I don't know about you, friends, but I don't want to stand in the way of what heaven has for me because I'm unwilling to see people around me as worthy of honor and respect and because I'm unwilling to see them as valuable. In Romans 12.10, it says, you know, to honor one another above ourselves." And... I'll just be really honest, that verse has always hit me in a really wrong spot because it just doesn't make sense. To me, it's the opposite of what we're trained in this society. You know, we're trained in this society that you got to have your own back, you got to be ready because you never know when someone might hit the switch up. You know, you've got to have your own six. But in the Bible, it tells us that we should not only love one another as ourselves, but even more than we love ourselves, serve each other even more. And friends, I want to point out that this is something that Jesus did. Um, when he came, you can look at you the know, story in the Bible if you want the summary. Philippians 2 is awesome. But Jesus humbled himself, came from heaven, paid the price for us because he saw us as equal value to himself. He paid what he thought we were worth, which was him. He not only came and left heaven for us, but he defeated sickness, disease. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated Oh my goodness all that he com- he fulfilled the law he completed the word and he left us his holy spirit and if that wasn't enough to show how he valued us he served while he was on this planet. Look at Jesus' example, guys. He washed feet. I won't touch nobody's feet for anything. This man touched feet. He sat with sick people. He spoke to women. He, he loved on children. He talked to those that didn't want to be talked to. He served us. So if Jesus had to deceased people as not only equal to him, but he served us above him, then why can't we do the same um, to those around us? So I'm going to break down just a few simple ways in our life of how we can honor people well, and I'll give lots of scripture. Um, So I encourage you to get a notebook to write these down. Some of them I won't have time to read in their entirety, Um, so I encourage you to read those. I also want to say that a lot of what I learned came from a study that I did out of this book, Honors Reward by John Bevere. It's amazing. Um, He also has an online curriculum with it. There's a lot of what he taught in here is kind of the backbone of what God's been working with me on um, and what I'm sharing today. So if there's in here that interests you and you want to go deeper, I encourage you to read that. Um, so let's start with what honor looks like in the home. So, the first commandment in the Bible that has a reward attached to it has to do with honor. Children, honor your father and your mother, and you will live long in the land that the Lord has given you. Now, I grew up in the church, and every time this verse was read, I was so observant of the room. If you know me at all, you're not shocked by that. I'm hyper-observant, and body language is my favorite thing. So, I would always watch, and I saw two things happen. One, I'd see the parents, like, authoritatively sit, and their shoulders kind of went back, thinking, like, Yes! The pastor and the bible are affirming that i'm an authority and my children need to listen and on the other side of the church you would see the kids in their seat i was generally one of them either slouching in their seat or tightening up their cheeks because they knew that this meant that the eye rolls that they had reserved for their parents were just not going to be received well today because the bible wasn't allowing it Um, but in all seriousness though honoring your parents is so much more as you grow older your understanding of what that looks like changes Honoring your parents is not cleaning the dishes when they ask you to, that's a part of it. But what it really is when it boils down to is recognizing that out of everybody on this planet for whatever reason, God purposely chose them to be the first authority that you knew. Now I understand that everybody has the best go of it with parents. I understand that some of you, your deepest hurts have come from your parents. But what I can promise you is that almost every parent is doing a little bit better than their parent did. Maybe your parent didn't know how to love you well, Maybe you grew up in a home that wasn't, um, it felt a little hostile and you didn't grow a ton. But what I can tell you is this God never wastes anything. And if He put you in that home, I'm not saying that it was His desire for you to go through what you went through, but God's desire is always to take something beautiful from that. So I guarantee that if you look at your parents through the lens of what have I learned from them, in the midst of the hardest trials i've had with them in their home what character traits were developed in me it will shift the way that you see your parents and i just want to speak to those of you who are still in your parents home honoring your parents means honoring their rules if you're under the roof honor their rules as simple as that i don't care if you're 18 you're 21 you're 27 if you're under your parents roof honor the rules of their home. Obviously, if there's abuse, or if they are telling you to do things that are against scripture, that's a different situation. But if it's just something that inconveniences you, or you don't agree with, I'm so sorry, but I don't care. You honor your father and your mother. This is a rule I hold for myself as well, so I'm not just preaching to other people. If I'm staying with my parents, I also honor the rules that they have. Now, I do wanna say something on this though. Parents, if you want your children to be children that honor well, and you want your children to be children that honor easily, you need to honor them too. I know that's not scriptural, but what I can tell you as the youth leader and as the young adult leader, I know that children respond to affirmation and they're looking for affirmation, it doesn't matter how old they are. And what I can promise you is it's scary how quickly they can find affirmation in any other place right now. One click of the phone, one walk down the street corner, one, it doesn't matter. They can find affirmation anywhere. What I can promise you is that you want to be the one defining what is praiseworthy in your child because what the world wants to praise in your child is not what you want to praise in your child. I promise you that. Trust me enough in my place in their lives enough to know that I'm telling you that truth. So if your child is troublesome, even find something to praise them for. What I want to caution you is this, and I'm so passionate about this. Stop waiting for them to reach that achievement for you to celebrate where they're at tell them that you're proud of them for their effort. What happens when you wait to give them praise for when they have accomplished something is you train their brains to think that they're only worthy of praise when they accomplish things and that the effort and the growth in between is not worth mentioning. When life is actually all about the growth and the effort, the achievements will never fulfill us, but the growth periods will. So please find something in your child, even if they're the most disrespectful child and you're so frustrated with how they're they're acting, you can find one thing them one trait in them one thing that they've accomplished something that the lord told you about them anything give them some form of affirmation if it's not your love language it's not theirs i don't care start making that a piece of your home where you guys can affirm each other because i promise you that that will pay dividends and your children will be so much faster to to be honorable Um, and that's not an excuse for the young people to not honor your parents if they're not honoring you that's not biblical you have to honor them period boo like that's it but parents i'm just saying this would ease it along so let's talk about husbands and wives so husbands you're called to honor the wife as yourself um, and to love her like yourself and I find some things very interesting. I've seen excellent examples of men honoring their wives and it's beautiful. But I've also seen men who have honorable wives incapable of honoring them and loving them the way that they deserve and they need. And so I started to kind of watch the patterns of this and i think what i figured out is that a lot of men were raised in homes similar to what i mentioned just a couple seconds ago about like achievement or works driven so what happens is men are trained that they need to provide for their families so they're constantly striving to achieve to get that but they don't take the time to celebrate their growth in between and the things that they've accomplished so when it comes to honoring themselves they can't they actually dishonor themselves in their own thoughts because they discredit what they've come through, what they've grown through, what the Lord's done in their lives. So men, I just wanna take a second and establish that there are wonderful things inside of you. And it is not narcissistic or arrogant for you to recognize and call those out in yourself. It's a wonderful thing. You wanna lead your children in a way that they see that you're able to praise them, praise their wife, and even praise yourself sometimes, That you can't do something for others that you can't do for yourself. Honor flows from the heart. So if your heart towards yourself is not honorable, you're going to have a really hard time honoring other people. And wives, you know, we're called to, I said we, amen. But anyways, um, work, wives are called to revere and respect their husband. And, you know, it's a very commonly known fact that, like, outside of physical intimacy, you know, praise and praise and respect is what drives men. And that's, that's not bad. And wives, you get the front row seat to what your husbands are doing. So love them. Let them know what they're doing right. I'm sure that you can point out what they're doing wrong, but also be quick to call out the greatness in them. If you have a husband, like we just discussed, that he's just not able to see those things in himself, help him along. Show him some of the things that you're proud of him for. Um, and my last... My last suggestion for families, um, and I hope you receive this okay, I realize that as you know, an unmarried childless woman this is a strange thing to be saying, but take it from the place that I love your families and serve your families all the time. Um, if you are trying to set the culture of honor in your home, and you and your husband are going to your children to complain about one another, you are sending a terrible message to your kids. I am not condemning you because I understand how easy that could be because they're there, they see it, they understand. But You're subliminally teaching your children by doing that, that honor is only necessary when people are acting correctly. When in reality, honor kind of sort of clicks in when somebody does something you don't understand or don't approve of. So what you're teaching your kids is because I'm hurt and I'm offended and he did something wrong, I don't have to honor him. So I'm going to badmouth him and dishonor him to you guys. Now you're wondering what happens when your children go to school and you find out that their teacher irritated them and they melted off at their teacher and got sent to the principal's office. I'm not blaming you for it, but I am saying that they're mirroring what they see at home. So if you're teaching them that because you're hurt, it's okay to dishonor, they're going to continue that in other areas of their life. Um, So just be mindful about that. Don't carry your kids into your business like that. They don't have to believe a lie that their family is perfect and there's never a fight, but they do not need to be the ones that are included in the fight. Okay, so let's go on into authority. So we're talking civil and governing authority. So we're talking police officers, politicians, whatever, however you want to see that. So Romans 13:1 through7, goes through this in detail and just for sake of time I'm actually not going to read it but I encourage you to. But in this passage of seven verses six times authority is spoken of as being established by God or being God's servants in our lives. So I started thinking to myself what would life look like if I chose to look at the authority in my life as somebody that God purposely assigned for me. It's God's servant in my life to steward something inside of me in that season. There is something to be said about the fact that God put those people in authority. So this is what John Bevere says in this book, and I want to make this abundantly clear because it really took off um, some weight from me. He says, all authority is of God, but not all authority is godly. I'm going to say it one more time. All authority is of God, but not all authority is godly. He also says this. He says, we must see beyond their behavior and honor their position. So what does that look like? Here's what I think that looks like. If you're at work and your boss um, does something that you think is incredibly unfair or somebody in leadership over your life is incredibly unfair, instead of you going back to your desk and telling and spewing to all of your cubicle people what happened, all of your you know work workers, if instead you take a second and you sit there and you think, God, I'm so irritated, I'm about to pop off on her, but I know that for whatever reason, she's the authority in my life and you're using it. What character trait am I developing right now? What, what am I grow? How am I growing through this? It would shift it. It does not excuse their behavior. It's exactly, to me, it's a parallel to forgiveness. When you forgive someone, it doesn't justify what they did. When you honor someone's authority, it doesn't justify the fact that they've mistreated you under that authority. What it does do is it frees you to see the the blessing in the situation, the opportunity instead of the curse of the situation. So um, what God worked with me on, and this one's this one was a hard word for me to accept. He worked with me and he said, Alyssa, how can you expect to honor me who you can't see when you cannot get yourself to honor the authority that you can see? And I thought, well, that's not fair because you love me perfectly and you have my best interest in mind. And he brought to my attention, he said, yes, but do you know what your, your leaders and I have in common? And I was like, no, especially if they're not saved, I don't know what they have in common. He goes, sometimes we're both going to tell you no to something that you think you deserve. And I thought, oof, that's a hard word. But realistically, think about that. If I can't honor my boss, who I can see in front of my face, if I can't honor him when he tells me no, how on earth can I expect myself to honor God when he tells me no? So remember, keep in mind, how we honor people is how we honor God. So, there's no exceptions to that rule. Okay, how does honor look in the church? This is my favorite one. So, Matthew 10. Verse 41 says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet receives a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous man as a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward. So we believe that God has assigned every man his position. Now what happens is if you are dealing with somebody and you don't know the position that they truly hold, you hold them to a standard that's not fair. And so you're going to get offended with them. For instance, in our house, we have Harvest, who's a wonderful teacher, and I learn a lot from him. But if I were to go to Harvest expecting him to shepherd me, my emotions, and my family, I would be grateful. Gravely disappointed and, quite frankly, probably irritated with him because he doesn't have that skill set because he's not called to be a pastor. My pastor is called to be my shepherd and to know about my family and to be involved with my life in that area. So when we don't know what the people around us have, what we don't honor the position that God has given them, we expect more from them than what we can receive. And it limits, it limits how you're able to receive from them. So in another note, we can look at it this way. I think there's a way that we often... Um, minimize the reward that we would be able to receive from the lord and this is how i think it happens very frequently let's say i take my pastor who has a pastoral role a pastoral blessing let's say it's this much in my life and let's decide that let's say that because it's a small church i've decided that i want to be his friend I, i would rather just be friends with him it's more comfortable that way i've known him forever anyways so i take all of this pastor and i try to shove it into this little friend box Well, guess what happens? I've now limited it that the only reward I can get from my pastor is a friend's reward. Now I can promise you this, I have enough friends that I can receive their reward. I want my pastor's reward in full. I want him speaking into my life in the way that heaven has designed for him to speak into my life. I don't wanna get in the way of that. And youth, let me directly address you, youth and young adults, honestly. You guys have so many friends. You can't play any games with me because I'm with you every week. I know how popular y'all are. Stop viewing your leaders as your friends. I'm going to speak on the behalf of the leadership team. Stop doing that, guys. You're limiting, the, you're limiting the reward that you can have in your life. I promise you that your friends are amazing and you're going to get so many awesome things because I know your friends and they're awesome. But what they can't give you is what a leader or a pastor can. So when you take us and you decide that you'd rather make us your friend, you're limiting the reward that you could be getting, not just from heaven, but also from us. Because when we have that green light in your life to speak truth into you, you're gonna have so much more growth than you would if we're your friend trying to dabble around how you're feeling. So be honorable about how you're seeing your leadership as well. Um, Maybe some of you are able to handle the friend and leader dynamic, but very few are. I personally am not able to handle that. I keep my leaders as leaders and my friends as friends. Because if I think I'm hanging out with a friend and then they correct me on something, I don't receive it like I would a leader. So check your heart on that. But I would venture to say most of you are not able to handle the dynamic. So just let them be your leader. I promise you, you're going to have so much more growth as a result of that. Hebrews 13, 17 says to obey your leaders and don't grieve them because that would be of no benefit to you. So all of us as a church, how are we treating our leaders? Are we positioning ourselves for a blessing because we're receiving them for who they truly are? And are we treating them in a way that's positioning us for a blessing because it grieves them if we don't? Think about that. Are we being honoring to our leaders? Are we thanking them for what they're doing? Are we trying to help them in the ways that we can? And if we have an issue with them, what are we doing with it? Exodus twenty two twenty eight 28 says don't blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. So don't be critical. If one of your leaders does something wrong, and let me be honest with you, we're gonna do something wrong. I will make myself the president of this club. I'm not perfect and I'm still in leadership. But if I make a mistake, come talk to me about it. If your leader hurts your feelings or you feel they handled something poorly, talk to them. Don't go talk to other people. I was raised in a home where the rule was pray about it twice before you speak about it once. Have you actually prayed about it? Or are you just excited to have some drama to spread around the church? What you're doing by doing that is you're discrediting that leader's position. And you're making other people unable to receive from them in the way that they should. So take it to the person that it's due. And in 1 Timothy 5.17, it tells us that the elders of the church and the people that teach and preach are actually worthy of a double reward. So are you honoring your pastors and your teachers and your church more than the people around you? If you're opening the door for a stranger at Costco, are you making sure that your pastor has enough hands to get everything to their truck at the end of service? Be mindful about those things. Now, how does honor look on a normal Sunday service. Let me just break that down. So the first thing is you're showing up on time. You're honoring the rules of the house, just like you honor the rules of your mother and your mother and father's home. You honor the rules of your local local church's home, okay? If they open the doors at a certain time and they say worship starts at 10, be there before 10, be there ready at 10. It sets the environment and it sets the tone because you're honoring not only your church that's there prepared for you, but you're also honoring God with your time. The second thing, follow through on your commitments. If you promise worship team, media team, children's care, you name it, that you would be there to help, be there to help follow through on your commitment. The third one, do what is asked of you. I know for leaders, I can speak on behalf of this. We have meetings that take our time and we have paperwork that we have to fill out that may not be convenient, but let me tell you something, I do it and we should all be doing it because we submit to what the leadership of this church has put into place. We recognize that while it may not be convenient, there's a purpose to it and it's honoring your authority to go through with what they asked you to do. So follow through on what you've been asked to. To do serve in a department i promise you it doesn't matter what church if you come to our church if you go to your church anybody else's church there's always a department that's overworked and doesn't have enough people you know the bible says the the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few don't let your church be one with few laborers let's be a church that's bursting at the seams with people ready to help because we understand the honor of each each different department in the church. And the last one is welcome new people. I want you to think about this. The fact that sometimes new people come into the church and the only people that reach them is the welcome team is really sad to me because we should be honoring them. If we're seeing the value in other people and we're honoring what God can do in them, we should be excited to welcome them into the place that's helped transform our lives. You never know who that person is and what position the Lord has placed them in. You could have the next Billy Graham sitting in your back row, but you're never gonna know it if you don't take the time to go say hello. So be welcoming to people. Um, I think sometimes in a smaller church, or in any church maybe, we just get comfortable and we start taking liberties. Um, of the church itself. So maybe because we know the pastor well and we've seen his kids grow up, we think that we don't need to show up to that meeting that he asked us to because he knows me and he knows my heart. Or maybe it's your leadership. Maybe it's your titi is your, your, um, you know, your department head. And so you take liberties with her. What I'm here to tell you is that we have to stop doing that. We want to apply correct honor so that we can receive the correct reward. If we want miracles, we want to be a church of revival. It has to start with honor. Um, and We've been practicing this in young adult. We've been talking it through quite a bit, actually, is that if you want to have power over something, you have to first take responsibility. Responsibility always precedes authority, and that begets power so if you want to be reaping the benefits of the power of the church that you're planted in you have to first take responsibility for the church that you're planted in that means that you're helping that means that you're tithing that means that you're serving that means if there's a mess on the floor you're quick to pick it up you're not waiting for the janitor to come get it that just means that your heart posture is that this is mine i'm taking ownership of it and i'm going to help how i can that's when you start to really reap the rewards of the church that you're in Um, And also in Haggai 1, 5 through 9, it talks about how people were gathering things to put in the temple and the Lord blew them away. He didn't want them. And it says, because my house remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. So I want to put before you the idea that we're called to make sure that the house of the Lord, our church, the four walls. I know we are the church, but I'm talking four walls. We need to make sure that that is in place before we take care of our own home. That means that if we have broken people coming in off the street with no hope, they're coming into a building that can bring them hope. How do You know that atmospheres can be set, right? If our paint is chipping and it's dirty, how are we expecting them to feel any more hope than they do in a circumstance that they came from that look just like that? If you just went to Marshalls and spent $300 on throw pillows, you can spend $30 to buy a new piece of art for the wall of the ladies' room in your church or in the nursing mom's room. So we need to be mindful of that. And a huge part of that is our tithe. So we need to honor God with our tithe. So when we honor something, we're elevating it, correct? And we're praising it and we're thinking it. So when we give the Lord our tithe, we're saying, God, I'm not going to discredit you. I believe that while this is a sacrifice for me to give, I believe that you can use this to work mightily and you can do more with my finances than I can do with my finances. When we withhold Our tithe, because it doesn't make sense financially for us to give to the Lord what's due to him, we're discrediting his ability to work on it. And like we said in the beginning, that's dishonoring. So we're dishonoring God by withholding our tithe. So when it comes to your church, make sure that you're serving, make sure that you're giving your tithe. The last thought that I have that I want to close with is in Revelations 4.11, it's um, reporting a dialogue of heaven, and it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Friends, I just want to know what life would really look like if we actually looked at people in that way. What if we actually looked at the people around us as, wow, you have your being because you were created by God. We know that and we talk about it, but what would that mean if we really let that resonate in our hearts? We need to start seeing people as God's creation. We can't give God the honor he deserves if we're not willing to honor the people that he's put around us first. So we sing songs all the time, you know, heaven come down, we want to feel heaven, we want to feel heaven. What I want you to think about when you hear those phrases is, have I done my part? If we're supposed to bring heaven on earth, we're supposed to mirror what's happening in heaven, ask yourself first, have I honored the people here well? Because if that's what's happening in heaven, that's what needs to be happening on earth. And if you're the reason that it's not happening, you need to fix it. Um, You know, if we're capable, the Bible talks about, you know, you can bind and loose, you can bind on earth and bind in heaven and loose on earth and loose in heaven. If we're capable of doing that and we're asking for heaven to be loose in our circumstance and our situation, what I want to ask you is, have you thought about the fact that we may have been begging for heaven to be loose while our actions of dishonor have actually bound heaven's ability to have miracles in our life? So the point of this message is not in any way to condemn you. I don't want you to feel bottomed out. I don't want you to feel like you're too far gone. That's not at all how the Lord has postured this message. This is just an opportunity for us to function on a higher level. This is an upgrade for us as a church. This is the next step. In, in your own life, in your own church as well, recognize the honor in other people. Recognize the dishonor in yourself. Ask the Lord to cleanse the way that you see yourself, how you see others. Start honoring and respecting yourself. Ask God what, you see, what he sees in you that he's proud of. Honor that. Honor other people. And let's create a culture where we love people so well that they don't even have to wonder why we love them. So I want to just um, give an opportunity that if you are hearing this message and you're thinking, wow, I really missed the mark. I am just not living to the level that I should be. I'm not honoring people well, and you know what? I've been praying for a lot of things that haven't happened. Maybe instead of blaming God, I should check myself and see if it's because I'm not honoring people well. I wanna just lead you into prayer because I believe that this can be step one and that this can be a really exciting day for you. So Father God, I just thank you for the people that are hearing my voice. God, I just thank you for the fact that they have humbled themselves before you on this Sunday. Lord, I thank you for the plans and the purposes that are represented in each person listening. God, I thank you that you're not done with them. Lord, I thank you that you will help them to see themselves the way that you see them. Lord, we repent corporately. We repent of being dishonoring towards you, God. We repent of thinking of you in a limited mindset by trying to rationalize you, God. We repent of thinking small of one another and of ourselves. Lord, we ask that you readjust how we view people, that we would see the value in people, that you would help us to know what your plans are for people, God, that we would be a people that honor you well and honor each other well. In Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, I want to say, if you heard this message, and this is Catching you kind of off guard I've of used some terms that you don't fully understand um, and you don't know who the man of Jesus is. I want to just take a second to tell you that there is a very real man named Jesus who came from heaven and gave his life for you because he understood that you were going to need the grace that he only he could give you. And I'm telling you now that there is a purpose on your life, that you are far from done, that he is not giving up on you. It doesn't matter what you were doing up until this exact moment. He will take you somewhere farther than you could ever imagine. And if that's something that you're interested in, we're going to just have a prayer and have an opportunity for you to recognize that, you know what? I may have fallen short and maybe I'm not living as great as I could be, but I'm going to let him do something with my life. So, God, I just thank you for those listening. Lord, I thank you for those who are hearing this message for the first time. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you value them so highly, not even just as an equal, but you esteem them as higher than yourself. Lord, I I thank you that you are serving them and that you are putting them in a position to receive. Lord, I just pray that you would give them people around them that honor them and celebrate them, that you would help find people to steward their gift. i just thank you that their repentive heart of the things that they've done wrong is what positions them for the blessing that you have for them so jesus i just thank you for what you've done in their life and what you will continue to do in their life in jesus name amen if you said that prayer and you're interested in getting more information we'll put a link below that you can go to our website and we'll kind of walk you through some new steps about how to get plugged in to having a faith in jesus and what that truly looks like in your life but for now enjoy your day happy mother's day i want to say happy mother's day to my mom and to all the moms out there, so please take a second today. Don't just do it for your mom. Thank the people around you for who they are. Tell your leaders that you're grateful for them and spend some time loving on one another and just showing honor today. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.